So kids, this morning, Angel asked you about a good book. What books do you like? And I thought I would share what I like for books. One of my favorite series of all time is The Lord of the Rings. I introduced Lord of the Rings to my son. Put your hand up, Caleb. So if you look back there, that's my little boy. And I'm not nearly old enough to have a child that age, but there you go. I was like four or five, somewhere in there. And I introduced Caleb to Lord of the Rings, and he took it so much further than I did. He, could, he can tell you the details, so much so that he has a little bit of a rant about the Rings of Power on Amazon. Um, I'll let him explain that to you one day. I think it's good, but he actually thinks it's terrible. So books, these books can elicit incredible amounts of emotion. When you read your book, you can, you can think about it, but it also makes you feel something. Sometimes it makes you feel happy. Sometimes it can make you feel scared. Sometimes it can make you feel sad. Books have an incredible amount of power. Words have an incredible amount of power. Another book series I really like is called The Expanse. So it's about space. If you've never read about space or The Expanse, also very good. Also a series on Amazon. I'm not promoting it. I don't, get sh I don't have shares in Amazon. Third book I want to mention this morning, which is my favorite book in the whole world, is the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's a book that I love because everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless when he talks about it. And at the end, he flips it around and he says, really the only meaning is the good gift of family and life in community, and all that other stuff we pursue is just not very important at all. But the book today is the book of Second Kings. And we heard this morning from Angel that Josiah became king at eight years old, which I too think is pretty amazing. I'm 53, and I wouldn't want to be king of Canada. At eight years old, I can't even imagine that, what that would feel like. You see, when Josiah became king, and the Bible says he was an amazing king, Israel was in a pretty interesting spot. So he inherited the throne from his father, who was a bad king. And the whole of Israel, Judah, the southern kingdom, was really not doing what God wanted them to do. It was actually quite a violent time. There was a lot of bloodshed. And there was generally a lack of knowledge about what God wanted from the people. But interestingly enough, socially and economically, it was a pretty prosperous time. So when we look back at archaeology and history, we have this tension. We have this kind of aspect that these two kind of ideas don't coexist. On one side, God's saying, you're not doing well, and yet on the surface, everything looks like it's going okay because people are doing well financially. In some ways, it kind of feels to me like the way it is today. That things are pretty good financially. Some might argue that point with the inflation that we're having. But the truth is, we're the wealthiest generation the world has ever seen. And so from that perspective, things are pretty good. But like Josiah, 
there was a deep disparity going on in society. And the haves and the have-nots, those who had money and had power, they did really well. But those who didn't, those who were poor, those who were suffering, the whole of society was failing to care for them. And so Josiah sends out to get the, the building done and he wants to kind of get the temple back up in order and things had been neglected for a while. And so he sends out some money and he says, go and get this fixed up. And they find this book and they read the book to the king just as Angel talked about this morning. And then he has a response. Just like how books affect us, this book deeply impacted Josiah. And what did he do? Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphath, and Asiah, love these names by the way, went straight to Hilda, the prophetess. She was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikva, last hard name I think, the son of Harhas, oops, one more, who was in charge of the place of the palace wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter. That's a location within the city. The five men consulted her. In response to them, she said, God's word, the God of Israel, tell the man who sent you here that I'm on my way to bring the doom of judgment on this place and this people. Every word written in the book read by the king of Judah will happen. And why? Because they've deserted me and taken up with other gods, made me thoroughly angry by setting up their God-making businesses. My anger is raging white hot against this place and nobody is going to put it out. And also, tell the king of Judah, since he sent you to ask God for direction, tell him this, God's comment on what he read in the book. Tell the king of Judah that since he sent you to ask God for directions, tell him this, God's comment on what he read in the book. Because you took seriously the doom of judgment, I spoke against this place and people. And because you responded in humble repentance, tearing your robe in dismay and weeping before me, I'm taking you seriously. God's word, I'll take care of you. You'll have a quiet death and be buried in peace. You won't be around to see the doom that I'm going to bring upon this place. The men took her message back to the king. So things are pretty bad. And Josiah hears this message that isn't really great. Now he's told that he's not going to see the punishment but the punishment is going to happen. Now, this is an interesting place. God's angry. And the punishment will be carried out. What is that like? How do we reconcile this idea of a good God? And yet here he is angry and he's saying he's going to carry out the punishment. Now what I think about, I think about when I was myself 6, 7, 8, 10 years old, 15 years old. 20 years old, and I would disobey my parents a lot. And I 
would be told by my parents, you're going to be punished. Now, I could say I was sorry. I could change my ways. They would embrace me and love me, but they would always carry out the promised punishment. I couldn't talk my way out of it because I had earned that response from my parents. Now, at the time, it felt very unfair. But as an adult looking back, I've come to realize that was my parents' way of saying, you reap what you sow. And if you don't learn this when you're little, it'll be far more problematic for you when you're big. So what God is saying here to Josiah is that your actions have led to these consequences and they can't be changed now. But because you've acted in obedience, I will give you a reprieve in that you will not see this. So what did the king do? The king acted immediately, assembling all of the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. Then the king proceeded to the temple of God, bringing everyone in his train, priests and prophets and people, ranging from the famous to the unknown. Then he read out publicly everything written in the book of the covenant that was found in the temple of God. The king stood by the pillar and before God solemnly committed them all to the covenant, to follow God believingly and obediently, to follow his instruction, heart and soul, on what to believe, what to do, to put into practice the entire covenant, all that was written in the book. The people stood in affirmation. Their commitment was unanimous. It's a pretty amazing response. You see, we can sometimes lose sight of the fact that Ahab, or Josiah's dad, Ahaz, was a terrible king. The people were really, especially those in power, were happy with the wealth and the, and the prosperity. And so what Josiah is doing is he's coming and saying, we're not going to do this anymore. We're actually going to care for the poor. We're going to set things right. We're going to engage justice You won't be able to buy your way out of punishment. The punishment's coming, but we're still going to obey. So he brought about change, and it's these reforms that he's most known for that began right here in his life. We don't know how old he was, but he was pretty young. And he sets in order something profound. So what's the point here? I think pretty simple, just like Josiah, we too are called to repent when we discover our sin. We may, like my parents, I may receive the punishment, but there's still a call when we realize we've done something wrong to say to God, we're sorry. Now, repentance is an interesting word. It's not actually just to say sorry to admit you've done something wrong. It's actually to change your direction, to choose a different path. And that's what Josiah did. And so we want to live this story. I think this is one of those moments where all of us can be mindful. If we think, we don't have to think all that hard, that there's things that we've done 
that are wrong. And Josiah, in his lifetime, made a whole bunch of reforms, and the whole country changed. And the people who had no, were no longer living as they'd been taught were no longer living in a way that God was pleased, suddenly started to do things very different. They started to live in a way that was right. I think in some ways, there's an aspect to our culture today. The way we live today, something has changed. There was a time not that long ago when people did what was right, not for the results, not so they could get noticed, not because it would be caught if they didn't do right. People did what was right because that's what, was, what they felt compelled to do. There was a culture of honor in our society. But it appears to me that this is in decline. People are asking now, what's in it for me? And they'll do right if it leads to benefit for themselves. I remember when I was in business, we would think about the radio station that we were tuned into. We made the joke, I'm tuned into WIFM. What's in it for me? Because everything we did always had to steer back to being profitable for the company. One of the reasons why I walked away from business, for me, and I'm not saying business is wrong, but for me, it had occupied every single part of my mind, so that became my driving force. I was tuned in to WIFM. In many ways, our culture is listening to that same radio station. And so there's a temptation to do what is easy, there's a temptation to do what will gain me the most personal reward. There's a temptation to do what is right so I get noticed. As opposed to just quietly being obedient to God even when no one is looking. In this story, Josiah responds to God's word. This good book that was discovered because it was the right thing to do. There was a deep heart change in the king. There was a deep heart change in the nation. And they obeyed even though they knew that the punishment was going to be carried out anyways. I want to push a little deeper into this. This is a painting by Thomas Hart Benton. It hangs in the Dallas Museum of Fine Arts. It's a fantastic painting. There's the harshness of it. The way the light casts. It's this dark and desolate landscape. You have this man standing beside an empty robe or a road. You see a suitcase. It's kind of tied together with ropes. Can you see that beside him? This is a man who's lived a very, very hard life. And he's staring across at this abandoned farmhouse. And the wooden walls are weathered gray. The roof is falling in. You can see the carcass of the animal in the corner that has died and desiccated away. It's really in the sun, the bones have turned white. And he's scratching his graying beard. It's almost like he's pondering something. 
What's interesting about this painting is that it is titled The Prodigal Son. See, the story this artist is telling in this painting is that the son arrives back too late. Now, we would reject that. That's not the way this story is supposed to be told. This ramshackled ruin, the fatted calf is not supposed to be dead. See, the story that we know, the story from Jesus, is that there's supposed to be a homecoming feast. There's supposed to be a father in front of the house inviting the man back in. But that's not Josiah's story. You see, Josiah's story is the community arrived too late. And in spite of that, in spite of everything having fallen apart, the house is in disrepair, the fatted calf is dead and bleached, Josiah still made the choice to act in obedience in spite of what was going to come. The nation had passed the point of no return. Everything had already been set in motion. There was nothing he could do to change the results. Now God graciously spared him from seeing it, but I get a sense that even if Josiah had been told he would have faced those consequences personally, he still would have acted in obedience. He still would have done what the law required. I think it's a profound part of Josiah's story because he did what was necessary solely to please God, not for the preservation of the nation, not because he was going to achieve some lasting change, not because he was tuned in to WIFM. He was tuned into hearing God's word and responding to God's word and doing what pleased God, not for any personal gain, but just because that is what he was called to do. Here is, I think, the big lesson for us. Our success must be measured. Hello? Hello? Yeah? I like that. Do you want to come up? Okay. Our success is measured by God's standards, not ours. And so there's this direct connection between our actions and how they impact other people. If you're a parent or a guardian, I want to say this to you this morning. It has been said that leadership is getting people to go where they don't want to go and getting them to do what they don't want to do. Does that sound like parenting to you? It certainly sounds like parenting to me. It sounds a little bit like pastoral ministry to me as well. But you see, in such a task, there's a matter of perspective that I think we can hold. Not our perspective, but God's perspective. Like Josiah, within his time, there is this immensely successful moment for him in that more than any other king, he is being held up in Scripture as one who is obedient to God, even though nothing that he did actually had permanent 
change to the nation's future. We're called to this same commitment. I'm not saying that even though you act obediently, your children are still going to turn out wrong or bad. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying even if you act obediently, they might. But that's not actually the point. The point is we're called to pursue this same life that Josiah pursued. Do what is right regardless of what is to come, centered on Jesus, centered on people, and away from the self-direction that our culture tells us to focus on. Shut off the radio station. Stop listening to WIFM. Because that's what your culture is telling you to do. And my prayer for each and every one of us, and especially for you who are parents and guardians, that like Josiah, you would choose to bring reform into your spheres of control. That you would live lives pleasing to God and a blessing to other people. And that in your lifetime, you would have peace. But that in spite of that, regardless of what your future holds, you would choose to obey regardless of what God unfolds for you. That's our call. To like Josiah, discover the good book. Lean into it. Follow its commands. Love other people. Obey God even if it costs you personally. It's not an easy thing to do. And the world will tell you it's a crazy thing to do. But that's the message for us this morning. So kids, will you help us do that? I got a thumbs up. That's all I need. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the life of Josiah for his obedience and the way he showed what it means to be faithful in spite of what the response will be. What it means to be faithful even if everything still goes wrong. And Lord, thank you that you blessed him, you blessed his nation during his life. And Lord, we we wrestle with the tension that ultimately they still receive the punishment that was due. Lord, I pray that we too would live in faithfulness and that regardless of what you bring to our society, that we would live faithfully through whatever you bring to our community. But Lord, we do. We pray for peace. We pray for prosperity. But Lord, above all, we pray, Lord, that we would be obedient. Lord, thank you for our families. Thank you for this family room. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless us and keep us and make your face to shine upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.